Hi, and welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. My name is Nikki Vo, and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association, and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. So Sarah, welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. It's lovely to have you here. It's a great honor. I'm thrilled to be sitting here with you today in person. It's it's a it's a mutual feeling. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great honor both back because you are a woman that has truly smashed that glass ceiling and landed with a plomb in two roles that are very strong roles in this industry. So it's a real honor to um interview you today. Um, we are sitting in the Royal Thames Yacht Club today, everybody, so there's going to be a little bit of cutlery clatter and a little bit of um, um, wonderful background noise to this club. This is actually the oldest continuously operating yacht club in the world, the Royal Thames Yacht Club, and it's the oldest Royal Yacht Club too. It was founded in 1775. I think some of my Australian listeners are going to have a um, hard time getting their heads around that one. But I, I heard somebody, talking of heads, um, <laughs> somebody just a little while ago walking through the club and saying, I'm just going to use the heads. Yes. <laughs> Which is right? quite, quite cool. Yes. <laughs> so, Sarah, I looked you up on LinkedIn and I have to say I love your profile shot. It's got a little bit of red power and then that sort of rugby stance of don't mess with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, it's funny when they did those headshots, I was so uncomfortable. And then when I actually saw it, I thought, look at that, that turned out fantastic. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's got a really good look to it. I love it. I'm I'm a bit of a red like a little bit of red on women. I'm a bit of a red shoes girl, you yes. know? I'm with you on that. A little splash of color to stand out from the gray and black suits, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yes. Yeah, it's good. It's good to do. Good to do. So tell me, your childhood, did you, did you have some strong women in your life that really sort of made you the woman that you are, do you think? I would say I had a strong woman and a strong dad. So the woman is obviously my mother who took such great care of me growing up and I watched her deal with her struggles leaving her homeland of Romania to immigrate to Canada with nothing, no language skills, no nothing. And she made it through and she raised a, a successful and strong daughter. And then my dad, who was just uh, my hero and someone who never gave up and basically, you know, declared political asylum in Istanbul after escaping from Romania in the late 70s, not knowing if he was ever going to see his wife or daughter again, not knowing what the outcome would, would be. So, you know, seeing their struggles to make it in Canada and I didn't have a lot 
growing up, but those them as role models helped me to do everything that I did and I achieved it with their support, but yet on my own. And even to this day, my mom says, so she says, I, I don't know how you did it. Your dad and I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning and go to work and do whatever we could so we could put food on the table. And somehow you made it through on your own without our guidance, but they really did guide. <laughs> wow. That's, I'm a bit blown away by that. I mean, normally when you say to somebody, what's your childhood like? Yeah. I come back with a, oh, it was very nice. Did a bit yeah. of sailing, you know, <laughs> but that no. is an amazing story. Yeah. So that really would have developed you as a person. And it, it was hard to be a kid in that environment. You know, I, People today say, you don't have an accent. I might have an accent to you, but from a Canadian perspective, but yet I still speak Romanian as well, pretty darn well. And then, well, how did you learn? Well, I watched this kid's TV show, Sesame Street. How did you, I didn't know how to communicate at all. And there's a lot of kids out there like that, but there was a lot of building blocks that were challenging. Wow. So That's amazing, Sarah. So you did a degree in political science philosophy. Did you know what you wanted to be when you did that? <laughs> All I ever wanted to be was a lawyer. <laughs> my my whole career or growing up in high school all the way through, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I thought what's, you know, what are the building blocks to doing that? And I thought political science was was part of it. And I did enjoy it. I did enjoy politics, but as I sit here today with you at the yacht club in London, England, I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today. And it's a, it's, a, it's fun and it's great, but it was not what I thought. It was, you know, not what I set out to do. There you go. So, how did you sort of get into this industry? Well, my background, because of my political science degree, ended up being in, in politics. So I, I joined um, the Conservative Party of Ontario at the in Canada you know, in university, just to volunteer and get to know a bit about politics. From that grew a little bit of a passion towards that realm. And I ended up getting a job working for cabinet ministers with the government of Ontario and the premier of Ontario where I was living. And that somehow made me a quasi mini expert in government relations. And I worked my way through in a couple of other positions that had to do with government relations. And then this came to me. So it wasn't, it wasn't about marine directly at the time here I am almost 15 years later there's a passion for marine but it was more on the advocacy knowledge that I had and I tell this story all the time because I was interviewed through the executive search firm and my husband said well it's a position in the marine industry they're not going to pick you they're going to pick a guy oh okay <laughs> right and, and there was the challenge so I he's, he's probably right what do I know about marine um, and then I got into the interview and it wasn't about Marine from the advocacy, it was about leadership, about running an association. And sure enough, I found out a couple years later, there had been 10 candidates and nine of them were men wow. and I got it. <laughs> so there you have it. You must be so proud of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And you've, you've become the first president of Icomia that is female. Yeah, in their 55-year history. 55 years. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? Well, I think I, I owe a lot to a lot of the male mentors that I had along the way. So I'm, I'm honoured and thrilled to be able to stand up for women around the world in the marine industry. 
but I also, I, I try not to harp too much on, on the female thing and just do the best that I can, best that I can and be the best that I can be and, and show them that they need to consider more women in the future. That's cool. But you're, you're also a shining light for those women out right, there. Right, who would have never thought it was possible. Yeah. Because it was, you know, all, there are very few women in those type of roles and there are more of us now i mean at our association we have a an incredible high caliber group of young executive women but it's 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 not easy yeah you have to really work for it yeah yeah so we've mentioned a couple of your roles so far we've talked about you are the president of the national marine manufacturers association tell me about that role so i'm the president of the canadian side of the association so the role is managing all of the recreational marine issues that are happening in Canada. And I also do a lot of work with our U.S. partners and our international, as we discussed, ICOMIA. And it's about doing market expansion for our members, developing their products in other you know, emerging markets they would have not thought of. Then, of course, it's fighting things for them. You know, we have to react to bad government policy, you know, more in... Recently now, there's proposed luxury tax coming into effect that will tax all boats valued above $250,000 Canadian, which is the same one-to-one to an Australian dollar. So there's a lot of government regulations and red tape that we are there to advocate and support our members for. And making sure we get more people into boating and expanding, you know, expanding the importance that boating has in our communities across Canada and that, you know, I think what we almost half of the Canadian population go boating. So that's a huge thing. So our role is, is to develop opportunities for dealers to sell more boats and get more people into boating as well. So that's a massive number of people you're representing. (laughs) We try. Yeah. (laughs) We try. That's huge. And Then we talk about you being the president of ICOMIA. Can you explain who ICOMIA is and what they do? So ICOMIA is the International Council of Marine Industry Associations. So it's sort of the international association representing associations. So myself at National Marine Manufacturers Association Canada is a member of ICOMIA, as are other associations from Sweden, Australia, the UK, the US, you name it. There's about 36 um, countries that are affiliated through their association so their role is to represent those associations around the world and their members so my members and all the rest of the members out there um, on international issues whether it's international government relations that you know standards for boats emission standards construction standards um, you know initiatives on how to deal with end-of-life boats and recycling and sustainability kind of just the overarching look at it from the top across the globe and how to protect all of the businesses in the marine industry. So that involves some travel because it's an international body. So um, perfect example, us being here now at the Royal Thames Yacht Club, opposite, virtually opposite Harrods. I mean, yes. not a bad spot. Not bad at all. I just wish I had some time to go do some shopping. I know, right? That's the trouble with traveling business, right? You never actually get to do the stuff there. Yeah, you're just stuck in a meeting room. That's pretty much it. (laughs) So, yes, there is some international travel. Not so much in the last 24 months. No. (laughs) How how have you handled that? 
Well, initially it was great because I was home every day with my daughter and there were, it's 24 months of watching her grow a little bit each day and brought us even closer together. But there were times where I was really stir crazy because uh, I did travel a lot prior to, to COVID and I think it showed me balance. Um, so it was hard for a little while and then I got really comfortable in it and now I've come out the other side. But I don't think I want to go back to where it was because it, it, it can be too much. So, you know, traveling 100,000 miles a year is doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you have a family or you don't have a family, it wears on you. So it's I think COVID has showed us how to be uh, more intentional and, you know, do things more efficiently. Definitely. But you've. Um, you had some challenges with Zoom times too, didn't you? Because a lot of Akomi is based in Europe, right? So for, That's right. So yeah. whether I, I, I tend to be the one up at four, five, six o'clock in the morning, and it always seems to work out fine between Canada and Australia. It's everyone else in between. Our time zone connections are just fine with one another. <laughs> so yeah, that that was challenging, uh, definitely. And it always, it is, you know, maybe center centeristic to Europe because we have a lot of members here, so... It's either really early or really late. Yeah. So the Acomia um, board is fairly male heavy. Yes. Um, is that an issue for you, or do you? How do you feel about that? I I work really well with everyone. I've never I've never operated or built my career on saying that I would much rather work with men or women. I'm really thoughtful to helping young women to mentor them and young men. I mean, we have a fairly a young man from Asia that is now on the executive committee. And I, I feel this um, commitment to want to help him grow. So to, to answer your question, to me, it's, it's fine. I just like to be able to see more women be involved and feel reassured that they can do what men have been doing 55 years in this organization. But it is predominantly still male-dominated. You had a bit of a moment when your career sort of developed a little bit more at a conference and you felt that support from the men around you and so on and so forth. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so I recently had the opportunity to speak at a, at a boating conference and it was a panel, um, women and mentoring in the industry. And I was like, oh, they, they think I'm a mentor now? I was, what? That's not possible. I, when did this happen? Um, so I just told my story. I told my story of how I, I can think of three men in particular who made such a huge impact to my career. Two of them, all three of them part of Icomia. One was, you know, also my boss. And they always believed in me and they gave me the courage to do more than I can. And I, I, I will now thank them and say, you know, thank you so much for having faith in me. And you've done so much for me. And they say, well, we didn't do it. You did it. You showed us you could do it. Anyway, telling my story, I, you know, at the end of the conference, uh, it was a reception and I had three or four young women from the industry come up to me like I was some sort of a celebrity. And I was like, what, what can I do for you? And they were, you know, your story is so empowering and, you know, we want to learn from you and, you know, could we stay connected? And I sat back the next couple of days and I said, I, I have no idea when this happened. I, I never realized I could have this impact. And that means the world to me now, and I can't wait to continue doing that in the future as well. It's kind of nice, isn't it, us as, yeah. especially as more mature women, I guess, that we have that 
I mean, I get DMs in the back of my Instagram all the time asking for advice or and, and it's really, really satisfying. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's a really good feeling that you're supporting women out there, whether it be they're nervous about buying a boat and they want your advice on something or um, they're um, actually looking at applying for a job and they're, they're asking you, how should I go about this and sort of thing. It's really, really lovely to get that. I it find is. it wonderful. It yeah. is. Yeah. And so what, what advice would you give to women out there to, to getting into our industry? I would say align yourself with strong mentors, whether it's men or women. And in this case, I was very fortunate to have some fantastic men who, who taught me and mentored me and gave me the opportunity to grow and prove myself. So I would say you, you've, you've got to work hard for it. It doesn't come to you just because you're a woman or because there's an entitlement to it. Um, and, and that's the way I built myself. I, I, I listen a lot. And then I learn and build up my, my courage to speak. I'll tell you, when I first joined the executive committee, I probably spent 95% of the time listening and learning from those who knew a lot more than I did. And now I'm the one who can be the one that speaks more and teaches others. So that's what I would give as advice. Mm, that's cool. And um, you're a boater yourself? Yes. Yes. What, what sort of boating do you do? Well, I was introduced to boating in my 20s by my boyfriend, now my, my husband of 20, 22 years. So we we have a 25-foot bow rider, uh, and we do mostly, you know, it's cottage country in, in Canada, which is lots of beautiful lakes with beautiful Canadian shield rock and gorgeous pine trees. So that's kind of day, oh, day boating. Beautiful. Day boating mostly. We love to fish. Uh, our daughter has learned to water ski, so just being out there and finding a really quiet spot to anchor and enjoy lunch and relax. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think for families, it's a really important activity to enjoy. It's very different to everything else we do these days, so it's a real counterbalance, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I look at, you know, my daughter's... My daughter turned 15 today on St. Patrick's Day, so Yay! I... Yay! Happy <laughs> birthday! Uh, so I think I, I see that every day we have her out on the water, um, she's not on her phone. There's no service out in the middle of the lake. She's learning to do athletic things, you know, loves to fish. So it's great family time and bonding. And we're not thinking any, about anything. Well, we might think about the odd shoal or rock that we don't want to hit, but we're just really in the moment. And that's just great for health, happiness and physical activity. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for your time. I know you are a very busy girl, so I appreciate you sitting down with us today. I'm sure the listeners out there have appreciated your story. Um, it's quite a unique one, so that's, that's a good one to share. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before you go? Well, I, I think thank you for this opportunity. I, you know, I'm a, a huge lover of Australia, and I can't wait to get back and perhaps you know, have a pavilion at the Sydney Boat Show, which we hope to be able to do in the future. And I just say to all the women out there listening, like I said, just don't sell yourself short. Have faith in your abilities, but always learn and listen to those around you. And that's how you'll grow. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Lovely talking to you. 
Thank you. And that's the boat princess out. We'll see you on the water soon. Well, that was lovely to catch up with my friend Sarah from Canada. It is a true privilege to be able to travel again for business and meet and see our wonderful friends from Icomia. Um, that is a, a, a wonderful thing about Icomia. People come from all over the world for those meetings and congresses and it uh, it's, a, it's lovely to see them again and spend some time in fabulous London. We even had the cavalry uh, doing their rehearsals for the Queen's 75th uh, behind the hotel one morning. Um, so it was a true London pomp and ceremony experience uh, that Britain does so well. Um, and uh, we really enjoyed being there for that time. Uh, we have some events coming up for you this year. I thought I'd give you a little bit update on those because uh, my interview with Sarah was a little bit shorter than we normally do. So on Saturday 7th of May we will be going out on a beautiful 90 foot long reef yacht thanks to Boating Syndication Australia and my partner's club Nautical in that event. Uh, we shall be cruising Sydney Harbour for four hours from one till five and uh, eating and drinking. And we'll also have a wine tasting with the beautiful Savannah Peterson herself of the Peterson dynasty. She has her own winery, Savannah Wines, uh, Savannah Estate, and she'll be doing a wine tasting on board. So you'll get to meet her too. I know there are some incredible women booked in for that event already who I am so looking forward to seeing and indeed some meeting for the first time. Some real like-minded, successful, fantastic women um, that I'm looking forward to spending the afternoon with and it's very exciting to, to bring all those women together to meet each other because um, as, as you know I'm a real connector, I love um, putting people together that I know can help each other or can um, has, you know bring each other's businesses uh, further together and those sorts of things collabs joint events together all those sorts of things they're really important for women to get the support and the 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 buzz and the the motivation we sometimes need and an event like that can really bring that to the table or indeed to the boat in this case. <laughs> so we shall be uh, cruising for four hours from one till five. It'll be amazing on Sydney Harbour. The boat is just gorgeous. So I can't wait to see her. And if you want tickets for that event, there are just a few left. Then go to theboatprincess.com and you can order them online there. And that is an event you can enjoy on a big boat, if, especially if you haven't been on a big boat before. It's, you know, it's a hundreds of dollars as opposed to thousands of dollars. So, you know, get on board and, and have a really great time with us. The next event for the diary after that is Saturday 14th and Sunday 15th of May. We have the Superboat Championship up at Lake Macquarie. Now our marina, I say our marina because it is our marina, <laughs> Mahamong uh, Point Marina, um, is kind of the host space for that. So that's pretty exciting for us. It's called the Fast and Loud Festival at Lake Macquarie. And uh, I know my, 
mate Andy from Queensland will bring be bringing his boat down. So it'll be great to catch up with him, Andy from AMT. And it's going to be very exciting to see those boats on the lake racing. Um, and there's some lovely music events attached to it and all that sort of thing. So that's a good one to put into your diary. The next event after that is uh, one of my absolute favourites for the boat season. And that is Sanctuary Cove Boat Show. That runs from Thursday 19th to Sunday 22nd of May. Obviously, it's at Sanctuary Cove Marina up in Queensland. And that is a beautiful event, a lifestyle event. It's not just boats, it's cars, it's... It's all the luxury and lifestyle that comes with that boating lifestyle. So really cool event, really looking forward to that. And we're working on a couple of things that we're hoping to put together specifically for my clients and listeners to enjoy at that event. Of course, I will be doing a bunch of live Instagrams there and some of those lovely interviews like we did last year to people who are there and also some tours of the boats which is just fantastic so that will be a lot of fun and then straight after that I shall be speaking at the Marina's 22 conference which which runs from Monday 23rd to Tuesday 24th of May with a technical tour on Wednesday 25th as well so if you're in the boating or marine industry and you want to get some knowledge and a bit more information about the boating industry even if you're perhaps thinking of coming into it marina's 22 conference is a great um, space to enjoy that because we've got some great exhibitors there and some really informative sessions for everyone to enjoy so highly recommend booking into that if you can so that's a big may isn't it there's a lot going on (laughs) oh my goodness okay get the vitamins out now (laughs) so guys It has been lovely to have your ears with me again today and I shall see you on the water soon.